Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is Palm Sunday of the Passion of the Lord. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, who as an example of humility for the human race to follow, caused our Saviour to take flesh and submit to the cross. Graciously grant that we may heed his lesson of patient suffering and so merit a share in his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. The Lord has given me a disciple's tongue so that I may know how to reply to the wearied. He provides me with speech. Each morning he wakes me to hear, to listen like a disciple. The Lord has opened my ear. For my part, I made no resistance, neither did I turn away. I offered my back to those who struck me, my cheeks to those who tore at my beard. I did not cover my face against insult and spittle. The Lord comes to my help, so that I am untouched by the insults. So too I set my face like flint. I know I shall not be shamed. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? All who see me deride me. They curl their lips, they toss their heads. He trusted in the Lord, let him save him. Let him release him if this is his friend. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Many dogs have surrounded me, a band of the wicked beset me. They tear holes in my hands and my feet. I can count every one of my bones. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? They divide my clothing among them. They cast lots for my robe. O Lord, do not leave me alone. My strength, make haste to help me. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I will tell of your name to my brethren and praise you where they are assembled. You who fear the Lord, give him praise. All sons of Jacob, give him glory. Revere him, Israel's sons. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. His state was divine, yet Christ Jesus did not cling to his equality with God, but emptied himself to assume the condition of a slave, and became as men are. And being as all men are, he was humbler yet, even to accepting death, death on a cross. But God raised him high and gave him the name which is above all other names, so that all beings in the heavens, on earth, and in the underworld should bend the knee at the name of Jesus, and that every tongue should acclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Christ became obedient for us, even to death, dying on the cross. Therefore God raised him on high and gave him a name above all other names. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory.
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite, where, on entering, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their garments on the colt, they set Jesus upon it. And as he rode along, they spread their garments on the road. As he was drawing near, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the multitude said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There's an important motif in the Gospel of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, um, and that's all about the fulfilment of the Scriptures, the fulfilment of prophecy. Often the disciples and the crowds around Jesus, they fail to understand his gestures and they miss his many signs and his words. But today, they don't make any mistakes. We read in the prophet Zechariah about the triumphant coming of the Messiah. Rejoice, heart and soul, daughter of Zion. Shout with gladness, daughter of Jerusalem. See now, your king comes to you. He is victorious, he is triumphant, humble, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will banish the chariot from Ephraim and horses from Jerusalem. The bow of war will be banished. He will proclaim peace for the nations. His empire shall stretch from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. So Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey. And the crowds don't miss the meaning. Immediately they recognise the moment that's before them. See now, your king comes to you. He is victorious. He's triumphant. It's no surprise then that they cry at the top of their voices the title, King. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But here's the funny thing. There's been no king in Judah since 586 BC. For 600 years, the kingdom had no king. Still worse, Judah was under the occupation of the Romans. And so, the king that they ostensibly had, had robbed the throne. 
But seeing the great gesture of Jesus humbly riding on a donkey and entering the king's city, Jerusalem, the crowd can sense the fulfilment of scripture coming about before their eyes. A new king is coming, a new era of peace is coming, and they all acclaim him as he enters into Jerusalem. Now, there's a great potential for misunderstanding here, however. Christ doesn't come to reunite and re-establish the kingdom of Israel. Neither is his principal foe the occupying force of the Romans. No, he comes to establish the kingdom of God. And his enemy is the kingdom of darkness. And he doesn't take his kingdom back by force, by violence or conquest, but by love. Christ enters the city of the king. But what he'll accomplish there is far greater than any mere political defeat. He will conquer the true foes of all of humanity the enemies that are sin and death, and he'll do so with the weapons of love and mercy. And so he comes to gather us together into a kingdom of life, of love, and of peace. So while the crowds recognise that this is the moment of the coming of the king, I suppose they don't really see precisely what it is that Jesus is going to do. They don't really understand the kind of king that he's come to be. And yet, when you walk with Jesus through the Passion, it's on full display. Jesus tells the disciples at the Last Supper that to be great is not what the world imagines. No, the greatest among us is the one who serves. And so, that's who Jesus is. That's the kind of king that Jesus is. And Pontius Pilate can't see it. In a rather sneering kind of way, he imagines that Jesus is in fact no threat because where are his armies? Pilate's more afraid of the crowds than he is of Jesus. We'll see Jesus clothed in a rich cloak, ridiculing him as an unlikely king, one without power, one without influence. And as he hangs upon the cross, he'll have a sign affixed to it. This is Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. Pilate thought it was a joke. And yet the irony is that, in fact, he's right. He's no king like Caesar, or Herod, or Pilate. I suppose there is one who sees it. The good thief asks Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. As he cranes his neck sideways to catch a glimpse of Jesus hanging on the same kind of cross that he is, this good thief seems to see the kind of king that Jesus is. And he wants in. He wants to be a part of this kingdom. He wants Jesus to reign over him. Now, we do too, don't we? The cross of Jesus shows us the extent to which he will go in order to draw us to himself. In order that we may be with him in paradise. On the cross we see the clearest manifestation of God's love for us. But it's the love that takes the form of an invitation. It's a love that leaves us free. 
It asks to be received. Jesus asks to be received. Notice something that the crowds, when they're acclaiming Jesus as he's entering triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem, they use these words. They say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, Pope Benedict commented on this phrase um, in his great work, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. And he points out that this phrase was actually a blessing given to pilgrims when they arrived at the gate of Jerusalem, when they arrived at the temple. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. After a long and arduous journey up the mountain toward the holy city, the priest would invoke God's blessing upon them and then welcome them into their destination. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a blessing of welcome and reception. Now, in time... This phrase came to refer to the Messiah who would be sent by God. He would be the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the one who had been sent by the Lord. And so the Messiah would be the pilgrim traveling towards the people of God in order to allow that people to return back to the promised land. And so, just as the priest would bless and welcome the pilgrims who arrived in Jerusalem, so too the people of God would bless and welcome the Messiah who came to them. They would receive him, bring him in. So when the crowd are crying out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, you know, they're not only recognizing that Jesus is a pilgrim coming to Jerusalem. There's a real overtone that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one who is sent, the one who has come in the name of the Lord. And the blessing that is extended upon him is the blessing of reception and welcome, of placing ourselves under his mission, under his kingdom, under his lordship. And because he's coming to Jerusalem, it's the place of the king, so he will reign. And because he's coming to Jerusalem, it's the place of the temple, And so he is the high priest, the one who will pray on our behalf and be the mediator between us and God. And so we welcome the Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, the early church saw a very important link between Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and the Eucharist. Christ enters into in great humility, riding on a donkey. And he was welcomed by the crowd, chanting, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, now, each day, Christ enters amongst his people again and again, not in the humility of riding on a donkey, but in the humility of the form of bread and wine. And so, in the same way, Christians welcome this pilgrim among them, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We say that every Mass. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are filled with your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In this way, we welcome Christ who comes among us in the humility of the forms of bread and wine. 
So it seems to me that, you know, when we get to Mass on Palm Sunday, we have a kind of privileged opportunity to receive him, to welcome him, to acclaim, to praise, and to adore him. Jesus enters into Jerusalem. It's the place where he rightly belongs because he's the king and he's the high priest who mediates between God and us. And so perhaps in the humility of the coming of our Lord Jesus to us in the Eucharist, let's give him joyful welcome into our hearts because that's where he rightly belongs. That's where he rightly reigns. And that is where he establishes peace and reconciliation between us and the Father. The palms in our hands need to be a sign of the palms of our hearts, of welcome and praise to our crucified King. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.